Each year, early in the fall, I start to uh, listen for God to speak to me and to show me what he has uh, in store for us as we come into a new season. Uh, it might be a word, it might be a phrase, or perhaps even a verse of scripture that will give us some insight, some instruction as to what the next step looks like for us as a church family. A word that provides a focus for us uh, as a congregation over the next months or even the year that is ahead. For 16 months, I have asked you to find a person, to find your place, and to be invested in this house. And that, that request continues. That's been a healthy focus and will continue to be a part of who we are and what we're doing. However, in the summer, I started feeling uh, like it was going to be a new word, a, a sharper focus uh, this new year season. And I read through the scriptures and I started underlining words. I started highlighting phrases that struck, struck me and, and seemed to be nudging me towards an understanding of what this next season looks like for us as a church. And then later in the fall, I came across this verse in Acts and it all fell into place for me. In context, the the place where this verse is used, the, the spiritual atmosphere of the Jerusalem church in those early days was red hot. I was so glad. You know, during the Christmas season, it, we, we sing the carols and they're very lovely and I love them and all that sort of stuff, but the roar wasn't there. I was thrilled to hear the roar in the service this morning. It was, it was great. And, and, and the spiritual context in the Jerusalem church in those early days was, was red hot. All the elements of health and, and of purity were in place. People were being added daily through salvation to the church. There were signs and wonders manifest in their gatherings. And, and there were the beginnings of some persecution that kept the church in a place of dependence on God. And then we get to this, this verse in Acts chapter 2 that takes us outside of the services and outside the gatherings of the early church. And we see elements of, of healthy participation in, in three areas that kept the church strong, kept the church healthy, kept the church focused. And we're going to talk about those three, three elements, but I, I want to first focus on, on an attitude, a heart posture that was present and, and that I believe is a word for our house as we head into this new year and this brand new decade. The word for us is devoted devoted. The, the verse starts out by saying, all of the believers devoted themselves. Now, being devoted means that a person is lovingly loyal, faithful, that they're true, that they're committed, that they're consistent and constant, that they're, they're dedicated, affectionate, attentive to a person or to a cause. It will be often said of someone, he was a devoted husband and family man, which means that his priorities, his, his energy, his resource was spent in building those relationships strong. It is a choice that a person makes. It's a willful decision to give all or give a large part of one's time, one's resources to a person, an activity, or a cause. Devotion, being Devoted is intentional. 
It's a, a daily commitment to something that you, something that we believe in. The, the believers in the second chapter of Acts were devoted to something that was important to them, something that had become an essential part of their lives, something that could and sometimes would cost them their life. They, they were fully committed and wholeheartedly devoted to what Jesus was doing by the leadership and the power of the Holy Spirit in their day and in their city. They were devoted. We are to be devoted. It, it was an important and a significant word then, and I believe it holds a focus and a significance now. L listen to the word in the context of the verse, Acts chapter 2, verse 43. Or, or verse 42, sorry. All of the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Let me repeat that for you. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to, the, and to fellowship and sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Because of what God was doing in Jerusalem at that time, there, was, there had been a spiritual reaction in individuals and a powerful commitment by the members and participants, the believers, that, that it was important to see that the word all... All of the believers prioritized some activities, some, some focus in their lives to perpetuate what God was doing. Pentecost had happened. 120 people powerfully encountered the Holy Spirit after 10 days of corporate prayer and ministry. And, and the encounter draws the attention of the entire city who, who show up to witness a scene of, of such intense joy, such intense life change that, that the casual observers, having never encountered such a, such a reality but attempting to understand what's going on, come to the conclusion that this prayer meeting isn't really a prayer meeting at all, that they're all just drunk. Why? Drunk on alcohol, why would they think that? The, the intensity of the joy and all that was going on. And Peter stands up and he gives an explanation of the, the spiritual reality of what's going on at the moment, ex explaining that it's too early in the day for anyone to be drunk on wine. The joy, the exuberance that you see before you is the result of God at work in his people. And, and, and he gives an altar call, and the church grows from 120 people in an upper room prayer gathering to a church of transformed believers that now numbers over 3,000 members in just one afternoon. That's phenomenal. That's explosive. And things were happening, important spiritual things were happening. Lives were, were being transformed, and God was speaking powerfully to individuals as well as to the church as a whole, gathering together. And all of a sudden, things that had been important ten day, or before the 10 days of prayer, all of a sudden, they weren't so important, and they got dropped. All of a sudden, binge-watching didn't really take their interest. There was something more to life, something bigger, more important. All of a sudden, things that were threatening before Pentecost didn't take up any time or worry because God was in the house. 
And things had changed profoundly. And so believers started combing through their lives and removing things that had little or no importance and giving more time, more focus to things that were important and life-giving. They became devoted to following Jesus. This is not a new concept in the Bible. It's not a new concept... In Scripture, hear hear me on this, Since, since the beginning of time, it has never been God's plan or purpose to have a relationship with people that is a part of their life. You know, I have work, I have family, there's sports, there's music, there's vacation, there's friends, there's entertainment, there's investments, and there's connection with God. That was never part of the plan when God designed this relationship between me and him, between him and you. The plan was that our relationship with God was to be life, to be the center of life. I could take you to almost any and every book in the Bible and pull out examples, but, but in a time crunch, let me bring you an old and a new sample. God, God dictates to Moses a heart attitude that has to be present between the people of God and their God. And listen carefully to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 5 to 6. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. The Old Testament understanding of of God being jealous for the affection and the attention of his people didn't didn't leave room for, well, well, God, we'll just fit you in where our schedule permits time for God. It it required wholehearted, full-throated, full-voiced, completely surrendered availability and willingness to be radically obedient to the will and to the word of God. If we want to see a new release of God's power in our time for this generation, we cannot be casual. We cannot be careless in our love and our devotion to God. It was required Israel was to be devoted to God. It required Israel to choose to set things aside so that that devotion could grow and thrive. Well, Pastor Bill, that was the Old Testament. That, that was the Old Covenant. That's not us. We live under a new covenant. We, we, we live in a new period of grace. Well, yes, we do. Let me take you to what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, speaking to those who would come and to see all, what all the excitement over this teacher was all about. Hear, hear the voice of Jesus speaking in the New Testament in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. So above all, this is Jesus speaking, above all, prioritize, constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom and the righteousness that proceeds from him. Then all these less important things will be given to you abundantly. The the priority of God for believers, according to Jesus, is to constantly pursue and adopt the kingdom realities of God and his anointed King Jesus, and then God will add all the other components of life in an abundant and miraculous way. 
If you are devoted to the king, the king will make sure that you don't go without in any area of your life. John records that when Jesus was evaluating the spiritual climate of the church of, in the city of Laodicea, that he wished that they would choose either to be ice cold toward God or red hot in their devotion to God. But they, they had chosen the spiritually dangerous, lukewarm posture. And God said clearly, this doesn't work for me. I, I don't want to have anything to do with lukewarm. Jesus requires and requests that we constantly choose to be devoted. I remember when that word first came, I thought, well, God, is that really for us now? And I was just praying and I was doing so. And every, every store I walked into, there was whoever sang it, hopelessly devoted to you. I thought, okay, God, this is for us. This is for us. Our text, Acts chapter 2, verse 32, talks about three areas that Jerusalem church expressed their devotion. The first area was they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. The apostles gathered their teaching from two primary sources, from the Old Testament and from the teaching that they had heard through the ministry of Jesus. There, there was a desire, there was a hunger to carry on the work of Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit and they'd witnessed, that they had witnessed in Jesus and they wanted to make sure that it was done in the spirit of Jesus and so they, devo they devoted themselves to the word of God. The apostles eventually wrote down their teachings and they became what we know as the New Testament and so the early church was devoted completely to the word of God. I'm a little concerned about the drift that I see happening in the North American church right now from the Word of God. It's, it, it's not as important as it once was. There's a casual approach to the words of God. In, in some sectors, there's a resistance, there's an attack on, on the work and the person of the Holy Spirit. Some segments of the church have determined that doctrinal truths such as sin, the reality of heaven and hell, the moral code of conduct are, are difficult parts of the gospel to market to the watching world. And so they've chosen not to be devoted to the whole teaching of Scripture and they've watered it down, they've extracted, they've retracted difficult portions of what they've determined to be unattractive parts of the Word of God. The power of the New Testament is found in their devotion to the Word of God. Listen, listen to Paul telling the young pastor Timothy to preach the whole Word and nothing but the Word of God. First Timothy, or 2 Timothy chapter 3, But you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You, you know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. You've been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and, and they've given you wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong. It teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip His people for every good work of service. They were devoted to the Word. 
in this word is life. In this word is health. In this word is strength. In, in 2020, I'm calling on all of us to be devoted to the word of God. I'm asking that we would make uh, a commitment to read through the New Testament at least one time this year. I, I've heard all the reasons of why we can't. Pastor Bill, I'm not a good reader. Pastor Bill, I'm, I'm a slow reader. I want you to know, in order to get through the New Testament in one year, it takes five minutes, five days a week, for 52 weeks. 25 minutes a week. That's one Seinfeld series. You've seen them all already. In honor of you, God, in, in the hope of our church and our lives being strengthened, I sacrifice Seinfeld to you so that I can be devoted to the Word. It's not a big deal. I'm asking that every one of us, 12 years old or older, I'm not going to cut out any 10-year-olds who decide they want to participate, but, but 12 years old or older, to read with us through the New Testament. Now, we have over here a copy for every individual that's in the room today. You, even if you don't go to our church, help yourself. There's a, there's a sheet here that tells you a little bit about what we're doing and where we're starting, and I want you to take one of those, and I want you to take this. I've chosen a, a simple, um, easy-to-read uh, version. It's the New Living Translation. It's, it's very approachable. It's very easy to understand. There aren't any these, thous, or thou arts in here. It's, it's just like you and I talk. And, and I've chosen the New Believers New Testament because if you're brand for two reasons I've chosen it. If you're brand new, there's a little bit of an introduction telling you who, who wrote it and what, what some of the highlights are, and, and there's little notes in it. And so if you're brand new to it, it'll be very helpful to you. But the second reason is, is that as people come into our church to find Jesus over this next year or two, I want you to know what you're giving them when you give them the word, when you lead them to the Lord. And so I, I want you to take it, and I want, it, it's on good quality newsprint, and I want you to underline, I want you to highlight stuff that speaks to you. I, I want you to um, be a part of the Word. We're, we're going to start in the book of Mark, and then after the book of Mark, we're going to uh, prepare ourselves for the Holy Spirit Conference, and we're going to read First and Second Corinthians. And uh, I, I, I want you to be in this word, if you, if you read five minutes a day, five days a week, one chapter a day, you'll get through the whole book once. They were not only devoted to the word, but they were devoted to community. The exact term was they were devoted to fellowship, sharing meals, and even the Lord's Supper. I, again, have this sense of unease about the sense of faith being an isolated event, a, 
an individual pursuit. That church occupies 1.5 hours of a week that you slip in, you sing a few songs, you, you pray a prayer or two, and that you observe a message, and then you head home for the other parts of your life that take part, place for the rest of the six and a half days. That, that's not devotion to community. That, that's not the plan of God, nor is it where the power is released. The secret of the explosion of the Jerusalem church was the connection of the people of God to one another. The, the, the whole gospel that we have been sent to not only proclaim but sent to illustrate lives and dies on relationship. In, in, in this community, in this church, because church is not a building. It's a people that are committed to God and committed to one another. You are the church. We are the church. People who have, who have gone through some of the hardest parts of life but stand here this morning and stand here week by week with their hands raised and praise coming out of their hearts and, and mouths towards God. People who've concert, conquered cancer. People who have gone through domestic violence and overcome. People who have been persecuted for their faith. And yet they come here week after week and they declare, I love God with all of my heart. I am devoted to his cause. And when we, when we mix, when we meld together, there comes an understanding of just how rich, how strong, how beautiful this faith and this community is. In this community, there is wisdom and gifts that are released and strengthened and, and, and encourage and empower people when we're gathered together, telling our story, releasing our gift around connect groups. When we open our table to hospitality of others, when, when we celebrate the Lord's Supper and talk about what God is doing in, in our lives, not just around the communion table here, but when we invite them into our homes and share communion together. I'm asking that you'd not only be devoted to the Word, but that you would be devoted to fellowship, devoted to community this year. I'm asking a few things in this area. I'm asking that you would find at least three people in this church that you don't now know or don't now know well. You know their face and perhaps you know their name, but that you would get to know their story. How they found Jesus, what they bring to our community of faith, the the gift that God has given to them. I'm asking that you'd find three of those people. I'm asking that you would be a part of a connect group this year. The next connect groups will meet in March and April for eight weeks. Something to strengthen and something of strength and power is released when we devote ourselves to community and to faith, to sharing, to praying together. My go-to illustration always is the, is the Monday night ladies prayer, uh, study group. They're, they're diverse in age and experience, and yet there's a joy, there's a life that comes out of that group because they know what it is to share more than, hi, how are you, but know how to share in community and faith. 
You see, Jesus said that the initial evidence that we belong to him was that the outside world would see how we love, how we help, how we serve one another. We can't love and serve if we're too busy to connect in community. I, I want it said of us, I want it said that part of this house, that part of their power was found in their devotion to one another, their devotion to serving one another in community. Together, committed to the benefits of strengthening and extending our community of faith. So they were devoted to the word, they were devoted to community, and they were devoted to prayer. I love that. The power of Jesus was found in his relationship with God the Father and with the Holy Spirit and with the priority that he placed on prayer. As you read through this New Testament with me this year, underline every time Jesus prays or that it says he goes to prayer. Underline every prayer that is prayed and every time the church prayed and you will start to understand how important prayer is to the life of the church, to the power of the church. Any church that doesn't pray doesn't have any power. It, it just doesn't have power. There's a roar in this place this morning as we, as we worship because there are faithful people who pray every day and who come together to pray for the presence and the power of God to be demonstrated and released. I would say that I have a healthy and a rigorous prayer life. I enjoy praying. I haven't always loved it, but I do now. My, my prayer life came to a glorious new level when I was in a deep spiritual pit and I discovered that Jesus was right when he said that without him I could do nothing of significance, nothing that would last or have any value without him. And so I started to pray more. I started to listen to his voice. I, I started to obey the requests that I heard of him. I started to believe and declare and hang on to his promises. However, I have felt called to focus more time, more energy to this area of prayer this coming year. In my planning, I have added extra time for prayer into every one of my days in 2020. There are battles that I am determined that we will win, and we will only win them because we are a people of prayer. There are answers that I want to see, that I am hanging on to, that I'm believing, and they will only come as we fight for and contend for in prayer. They, they will only see the victory as we, as we pray. And we are going to devote ourselves to prayer this year, both as individuals and corporately. January is a month of prayer emphasis. Every time we come together, we will be emphasizing and focusing on prayer this first month of this new year and this new decade, signaling our devotion and our discipline in the place of prayer. Starting January 6th, as I've already said, we will have a week of prayer here in the church where you can drop by and join us in prayer. There will be uh, 
cues for praying around the walls. There will be prayers around the walls, and uh, that's important. January 7th is our first day of prayer and fasting in this new year, in this new decade, and we'll have some instruction for you next week. And on Friday, January 10th, we are having our first advanced night of prayer in 2020, and I'm asking that you would be here that Friday night for prayer because it's one of the most important nights of our year. January the 10th, 7 o'clock. Each week, starting January 7th, on Tuesday nights, we meet for one hour of prayer. Every Sunday morning, we, we meet for 30 minutes of prayer here in the sanctuary before the service at 9.30. And I am asking everyone in the church that, that you would be devoted to making at least one of those prayer meetings each month. I'm asking that every department... Every ministry, every outreach would prioritize and be devoted to prayer. I'm asking you to make sure that Olivia, who coordinates our, our prayer ministry, has the ability to help you make sure that you have some, some help in making sure that our church is recognized as a house of prayer for the nations. I, I want it to be said of our house that their strength, their vibrancy, and growth was a result of their devotion to prayer. Does all that make sense to you? Are you ready to be devoted? Are you, are you hungry enough for the things that we're dying to see happen in this house that you would be devoted to the word, devoted to fellowship, devoted to prayer? I'm going to ask the team to come. I've asked Catherine if she'd lead in, in that first song. The scripture that I see over our church this year, 2020, is this one. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Our word for this brand new year, 2020, is devoted. The promise is, is that God has said, I am hopelessly devoted to you. And he waits for our response. What are, what are we needing to set aside so that we can be lovingly devoted to him? That God would recognize and say that we are a lovingly loyal, faithful, true, committed, constant and consistent, dedicated, affectionate, and attentive people to his mission that we're devoted that we would be a people devoted to the word to the life that comes out of the word to the correction the instruction that it has for us day after day I, I can't tell you how many times in the morning when I read my portion of scripture that whatever is in front of me that day is answered in that scripture. The, the wisdom, the strength that I need for what is ahead is given to me when I start my day. That we would be known as a people that are devoted to connection and relationship. People that unlock the, the life that comes through sharing faith. church 
that is devoted to the joy-filled discipline, the life-giving energy that comes with praying. Praying on our own. Praying together. I want you to stand. Some of you are already discounting yourselves because you said, well, I'm too busy. Pastor, you're asking too much. You don't know what's on my plate. I just want you to be glad that Jesus isn't preaching this morning. He said to the rich young ruler, sell all that you have and follow me. I'm just asking for five minutes a day, five days a week for you to be in the word, to be at a couple of meetings and to pray a lot. I believe that if we're devoted, we will see a new gear in the spiritual life of our church. That we'll be able to do more. That all of a sudden, gifts will surface. That acrimony will disappear and we'll be the people of God, becoming more and more the people of God. Can I just ask you, is is it just going to be Debbie and I that are devoted, or are you going to devote yourselves? Is it a word for you? And let's lift our hands. Father, here we are, living sacrifices, giving ourselves wholly to you, asking God that you would send Holy Spirit to make us strong in the Lord strong in his word, strong in his ways, sensitive to his promptings and his leadings. God, I'm praying right now that people who have areas of disobedience, that that God, you would just say, this is the year that we're going to have a breakthrough. This is the year that we're setting that aside so that you don't have to live with the guilt, the shame, the hesitancy. You're going to be bold in the Lord and in the works and the words that he gives to you. I pray, God, for those who who have said, I love you, but I haven't yet been baptized in water, that that this will be the year, this is the time that they say, God, if I'm going to be devoted, I want to be obedient as well, and so I'm presenting myself a living sacrifice to you. God, we all, every one of us here has miracles and breakthroughs that we need in our lives, and it will come through as a, as a, as a reaction to our our devotion to you, a devotion to each other, a devotion to your word, a devotion to prayer. So God, find us to be a devoted people. Find us to be a devoted people. I want you to continue to pray as they sing this.